0: Dedicated to Henry Farman. In the year of the primal war, from the dawn of terrestrial birth, man mastered the mammoth and thought,
1: the man was the lord of the earth. He made him an hollow skin
0: from the heart of an early tree. He compassed the earth therein, but the man was the lord of the sea. He controlled the vigorous steam, he harnessed the lightning for fire, he drove the celestial team, of man was the lord of the Good afternoon, good evening, good whatever, good whomever, good this, that, the other, good 2021, yep, maybe not so good. Well, regardless of that fact, this is Agitators Anonymous, episode 40, and this is Alan Averill. How the F are you doing? I don't need to ask, do I? Right, 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 let's get into it. Follow me on Instagram, Nemthianga underscore primordial. Um... Lots of things have been happening and also not happening. Uh, Dread Sovereign, my other band, have just dropped an album on MetalBlade.com. If you're in North America, you can use the promo code Podcast and you will get 10% off. So, you know, maybe buy the album up there or buy something else. Who knows? You've got decades and decades of history of fine metal to look through and find something worth buying. Because this is a, an interview and a video cast over on my YouTube channel, I'll try and get all the nonsense out of the start, out of the way at the start. Um, so the second sponsor is Hate Couture. Hate, as in I hate you. Couture, C-O-U-T-U-R-E-616.com. Hateful yet tasteful. If you want to really offend some people, um, T-shirt, bedeck yourself with the veneration of tyrants and serial killers get into it get into it use the promo code aa and you will get free shipping yep free shipping so that's www.hatecouture616.com hatecouture616.com promo code aa and the third sponsor because it won't do to mention them in the at the end of an hour long interview is lamentations of the flame princess l o dot um it's role playing games role playing books i suppose it's where dungeons and dragons came from um look it's not my it's not my um wheelhouse as they say in 2020 2021 but i got a shipment of the books from them and handed them out to a few people i knew who were quiet and hidden gamers and they were well very, very pleased and impressed. So if you're into uh, tabletop gaming, Lamentations of the Flame Princess, go and take a look. If you order three books, they'll throw in two others for free. Now that we got all that stuff taken care of, the reason I'm sort of Russian is because this is a long interview um, and I won't waffle too much before it. Um, this is with a friend of mine, a very old friend of mine called Anton Reisiger. He used to work for Metal Blade back when Primordial signed for Metal Blade, but More specifically, he was in the cult with a K band Pentagram from Chile in the 1980s from Chile. Um, He went on to play in a band called Criminal. He played with us in Twilight of the Gods on tour. He also plays in Lockup and Brujeria. So, yeah, a busy man. But it's really... His story, which is fascinating to me, which is really interesting, and we really get into some very interesting stuff. He grew up under Pinochet's dictatorship in Chile in the 1980s, the 1970s. um, And his stories about being the only white gringo in the scene at the time are very interesting indeed and give us a really good insight into not only growing up under a dictatorship and a military junta, but also being, I suppose, the outsider in, in a culture. Um, and in a curious way, being the, the, um, the gringo outsider in South American culture. It's full of stories of going to visit Sepultura in the 1980s, um, the old South American metal scene, um, all sorts of great stuff. Even if you don't know his bands, well, go and check them out, Pentagram and Criminal. It doesn't really matter because the story, I think, is fascinating itself, itself on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, So without further ado, um, we'll get back into more Miserablist chat next time. Um, But there are some good guests planned for this year. Again, it's all random and scattergun, as is everything that goes on in my grey matter these days. But here we go. Episode 40 is Anton from Pentagram and Criminal. My mate Anton from Pentagram and Criminal is here from Chile. And he's going to tell us what, for a start, is happening Outside the, what shall we call it, the blast zone of the first world? How are things down there in South America?
1: Hey, Amen. Um, well, uh, things are apparent I mean, there's been uh, this a, a very constant number of new uh, infections for the last three months or something. Always, every day in Chile, between one thousand and two thousand, always in that range. You know. And now it's kind of going up. It just went over 2,000 yesterday and the government is warning we are entering the second wave and so on. And they imposed, the, I mean, we were pretty much open, opened up already and now they're imposing some new restrictions again, but um, it's all very, um, uh, I don't know how much sense it makes, you know, because you can't go out on a weekend but during the week you can go to a bar and you can go to a mall you know so uh i don't really know if that i mean what's the what's the point same thing with the curfew you know the so curfew from midnight to 5 a.m. so i don't think, think there's a lot of people about at that time anyway and people don't respect it anyway i mean there's there's another there's another whole thing with a, there's a, been a crisis of authority uh in chile for some time you know if you heard about the uprising in october of last year yeah. you know it's it's it, it keeps going you know it's there it's latent and, and uh, it's just waiting to explode again you know and and part of the, the reason that people don't listen to the government is a because they think they're incompetent and b because they don't trust them
0: yeah but i mean don't don't you think that that uh, that's probably true i mean one of the things i've found for example here in ireland is that people are so docile. They're so, they've accepted more or less all of this. Even if you present to people like, hey, you know, some of this science is not based, it's not based in science. It's not even based in any um, rationality. It just seems to be politicians randomly making things up on the fly. People just very, very placidly kind of went, look, we just have to get through it, accept it. If, I think maybe if the government had a little uh, threat of danger to their proceedings, maybe it might keep them in line a bit more because it strikes me that a country like Ireland, you know, is just, it's almost like the perfect testing ground for a sort of docile response to um, authority, this sort of strange quasi, is it authoritarianism? Is it a health crisis? Which is it, you know?
1: Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm... I'm uh at least in the beginning, I was quite happy. Uh, well, I lived the first, through, uh, the first few uh, months of the pandemic uh, down in Spain, and um, I was quite impressed, actually, by the response of how, how disciplined people actually yeah. were, you know? The first lockdown, um, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, and then again, I mean, the, the authorities we have, they might be good or bad, but it's the ones we elected, in a way, so sure. uh, they have the power of decision in this in this kind of matter but yeah you you are definitely right that we should question things and uh i think that uh, as i as i just said you know and th- that goes for spain as well a lot of it just doesn't hold water it's, it's, it's just uh, not watertight you know what they're presenting in, as science you know
0: yeah i mean the the you know even the cases when you say to people um you know there was in a moment a couple of months ago in Ireland where the newspaper, the newspapers have stopped reporting cases. It's like, as if life is just normal now, they have just gone back to stupid stories about Christmas and people drinking too much and just nonsense. But mm. a couple of months ago, maybe two months ago, um, there was just cases, cases, cases in the front of the newspaper. And then when you actually looked at the stats, there was 37 people in ICU in the whole country, mm. 37. Mm. And so cases to me, cases are, cases the only thing that matters is actually critical admissions and deaths yeah. and on those terms it would seem that what's happening is within the envelope of a normal year in the world which is 70 million deaths roughly. i agree
1: i agree with you that uh, the hospital um capabilities and uh, deaths are the thing the way the thing we should measure the important thing but i think in uh well that might be ireland's case but i think the rest of europe uh, spain france and so on it is close to very critical in mm. terms of you know uh, intensive care units and stuff like that you know sure. uh, so um but what more are they going to do that they already have done you know yeah. it's, it's just I'm, on the one hand you go like oh you can't blame people because it's the government's fault but on the other hand you can blame people because if people just get together take off their masks and start drinking and start talking to each other at less than a meter distance you know and you know you literally see the virus flying out of their mouths you know then well you can't blame the government for that can you
0: no but at the same time i can blame them for well i mean to me you know there is a health crisis but it's intermingled with um, a very great and serious threat to civil liberty and freedom. And I think in the fullness of time, I'm on the side that that maybe could be more important, maybe not more important, but have more gravity than people think right now. And like I I, I said it um, to a friend today, if you can tell me a moment in history where the citizens of any nation state or city gave handed all of their freedoms to the institutions of power and got them back in one, Peace, then I'd like to know it because I don't think it exists. and um, I don't know, man, because I, I mean, I, I obviously have the, the,
1: the parallel when when uh, with the Pinochet dictatorship, but that's people didn't resign their rights, it so just got it taken away. Okay, <laughs> so well, that's, a big, that's a big difference, you know. Well, In this case,
0: well, it, well, this case
1: we're talking about people voluntarily saying, yes, okay, I'm fine with that, I won't go out at night or uh, whatever, I won't meet my grandma, you know.
0: Sure. Uh, I, I agree with you, but uh, I mean I'm not I'm not for a moment saying this is like this sort of implementation of a hard dictatorship. But at the same time, uh, you know uh, what matter if it be a zebra or a horse, as they say in the Middle East, if it looks the same as a silhouette, <laughs> in the sense that um, whether you've handed over your rights or had them taken, if they don't come back to you, um, you're still left in a position where you're uh because i want that's what i wanted to talk to you about was also this my kind of soft segue into discussing all those things in the past you know Uh, but but at the same time um it it, the problem i have with this is of course i'm sure people on the podcast are sick of hearing me talk about it but is that it looks like so many different things at the same time in that yes it looks like a botched response by a broken system by politicians who are incompetent and afraid Mm -hmm. of their own personal jeopardy now that Is very true. But on the other hand, it also, you could say, is this, does this have the potential to be manipulated by institutions of power, multinationals, technocratic elites, in order to uh, digitally implement um, new structures of conformity in society? I think that that could also very well be true.
1: Um, I think that's already in place, though. I mean, if you've if you've uh, seen a few documentaries on on Netflix and stuff, you know, about the the great hack and stuff like that, and how people are actually already manipulating elections and stuff like that, you know, through through social media, which apparently is very very easy. You know, you just yeah, have yeah. to target the right groups, you know, and it's not that many people that you actually need to convince of something. And convincing them isn't very hard either, you know. So I think that's already in place. That's that's we're already living that that but, kind of control between the under uh, social media. But well, this is a whole new new game now.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, I agree with you, uh, but I will say, I, people will say to me, "Oh, Alan, will we, were we ever free?" And I go, "Well, yes, we were." because right now we're living in an open prison where we have no freedom of travel and movement. And Okay, so there have always been checks and balances on your freedom, but the idea that you could, as we have done, somehow make a career of decades as a musician to greater or lesser degrees, travel the world, play this, that and the other, um, you have essentially lived a form of personal sovereignty and freedom, but what might happen through this like for example if Ireland say or most countries remain in two three four five two three four five a cycle of lockdown that never really seems to end then there are huge new checks and balances on your freedom of movement you can't just I can't just fly to Chile you can't just fly to Ireland you're kind of stuck where you are and that remote living future is a new addition to what you're talking about so I kind of I kind of say yes and no in the sense that I get it that we will always have all these you know, implements of control on our personal sovereignty but this stuff seems this could be new elements especially for the first world where people are used to being able to travel and move to wherever they want to and you know that kind of stuff well that, the whole yeah, world but, really you know
1: yeah but I just want to quickly remind you of the It was a few years ago. There was this volcanic eruption over um, uh, in Iceland, and the cloud uh, filled the uh, European airspace, and all the flights were grounded. And that kind of already gave you an idea of how fragile this whole this whole system we have actually is. You know,
0: it's a good point. Yeah, yeah.
1: So uh, I, I I don't think it takes that much to disrupt this this seemingly this seeming normality you know of just oh yeah i'll just jump on a plane and fly to russia or whatever you know
0: yeah i mean i mean that's not i mean i'm just picking that as one thing but i'm also kind of saying that maybe you know it's tied in with other things like universal basic income what that represents to society um your the idea that for example in i was being flippant with my friend and i said you know you don't dance with a stranger till you're at zero i was actually singing george michael but you know i'm not gonna made that joke twice but the, the even in within your own city that there's no art no comedy no theater no music no nothing like this no freedom of expression that isn't mm. mandated by the state is also something that i think no one is really discussing i mean I it's I get barely any um coverage on mainstream media the fact that there is no level of personal expression in this Well, and that's what uh, that sort of worries me as well how is it down there in chile is there a, uh, it's the same anything? thing
1: it's the same thing i mean it's it's all you know it's all just shut down mm. uh, there were uh, very timid um, attempts to to start doing things again i actually had a, a pentagram show scheduled for this friday this coming oh, yeah. friday where we, we're gonna do the social distance things thing you know uh, the people were gonna be sat at tables you know sure. apart from each other and stuff you know but then this happened you know the restrictions were reimposed and we had to cancel it you know yeah, yeah. Um, but but uh, talking a bit more about the bigger picture I think what it goes to show is that for most governments art and culture is just not important it's yeah. just not a factor you know, yeah. it, it, it just doesn't matter. And even, even if it's in some countries, it's a multi-million dollar industry, they just seem, don't seem to care, you know? And it, yeah. it's always the last on the list, yeah. you know? They think about the restaurants and the bars first before they, they, they think about the... And even those, they don't think about very much, you know? But no, no. they're definitely not thinking about the artists, you know, and people who actually give society a soul, you know? Yeah. You're, you're it's just about? not important because they're just technocrats you know and they, they, they're just interested in their own benefit and and, and to win the next election it's basically yeah. it i think
0: I, I agree with you and it's been very striking to me that uh, how little art means to the means i mean even during the summer when the weather was okay there was no even attempt at okay let's give the public uh, a free open air show even if it was distance to just give them something or maybe mm. you know comedy on the stoop to some people gathered in a garden nothing no one stood on a stage for nine months and i don't think anybody's going to stand on a stage properly for at least another five or six maybe because like i said unless you go back to zero the kind of gigs we were used to they don't happen anymore Mm -hmm. um you know and that's you're i think you're you're totally right that it's it's just again it's a sort of bureaucratic technocratic elite making decisions sort of on the fly
1: um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the 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 level of incompetence and ju- it just uh, I would almost say literacy of most politicians, be it in South America or in Europe, it's it's indistinct. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's it's frightening. You know, it's just really, really a bad level. I mean, uh, I don't know. Maybe politicians were always the same, but at least a few decades ago, they could write a speech that would move people you know and, and now it's just twitter and fucking you know and just having a jab at the other one you know and it's yeah. like, well, it's, it's the, the, we stoop to a very very low level
0: i think in politics man but do you feel that you do you feel that now in chile there is um a climate where the government treads more carefully because of what happened a couple of years ago maybe people don't know but there was big uh, sort of how would you describe what happened in chile two or three years ago it was it was last
1: year. It was uh, on the it, well. It it culminated on the 18th of October of last year. Mm. This all started with um, students who said we won't pay the because the the metro fare the, yeah. the, the underground train fare went up. You know the ticket went up like thirty pesos, which is not a lot of money. But uh, students said we won't pay. We won't be paying. They started jumping over the the you know the the tourniquet, Sure. You know, yeah. The, sure. The, yeah and um and from that it it was just a landslide and no one really knows exactly what happened because on one day it was like 30 metro stations that were burnt burnt down you know and uh, i mean you've been to a metro yeah. station you know i mean what 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 is there to burn you know so th- that yeah. must have been there must have been something very well planned and and, and executed to actually Managed to make yep. a metro station burn, you know. But but it it all went out into the streets, and it, it all there were. I have to say there were very big peaceful um, protests. You know, there were at one point there were over a million people in the streets gathered mm. to protest the government. But then there was looting, you know, and the, of course, the yeah. response. The response from the police was very brutal. A lot of people lost their eyesight. People died, you know. Yeah. People were raped in, in, in custody, you know, and it, it's just very. It, it just turned very, very ugly, you know. Yeah. And all that has kind of calmed down because the government agreed to a referendum uh, to decide whether we would have a we would write a new constitution. And that referendum just happened a few weeks ago, and it was overwhelmingly uh, yes towards a new constitution. Okay. But now we are in a, in, a, in a position where there's something like five or six elections within the next year. You know, there's like local politicians, uh, then there's a presidential election, there's primaries first, you know. And then meanwhile, the new constitution is being drafted and that new constitution, once the draft is approved by the uh, Constitutional uh, Convention, it has to be um, confirmed by another referendum. And that is going to be like two years from now. Okay. So we, have, we are facing a, a, a period of potential instability, which is um, uh, quite a challenge, I would say. Um, the government is treading very carefully right now. Their uh, approval ratings are at historical minimum, like ten percent or something like that of approval. Okay. You know, um, and they're just basically waiting it out until you know, until it it goes. And the whole the whole pandemic scenario obviously isn't uh, isn't helping. You know, they actually the there was a congressional uh, proposal. A few months ago that people could withdraw 10% of their pension savings in order to bridge, you know, the the pandemic. Okay. And that kind of tied in with a whole rhetoric that's been going on for a long time that actually the, the, because Chile is one of the, one of the few countries in the world, if not the only one where the pension system is entirely in private hands. It's not run by the state. It's all private companies that run. But 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 you have to pay in. I mean, it's not your choice to pay in or not. You know, you just you, you can just choose which which one of these companies you you use. You know, that's right. all. So that's that's one of the biggest uh, or one of the very big issues that uh, have been protested and and that that led to the the uprising last year among many others. You know, healthcare and and so many other things. You know, um, so this when, when this was approved that people could withdraw money, it was seen as a, as a crack in the system, you know, it's starting to crumble, you know, okay. now they've approved it for a second time. People again can withdraw another 10% of the savings, you know, mm. and, and so it goes until people will be left with no savings at all. You know, sure, Yeah. yeah. And I'm, not saying, I'm not saying the system is, is, is good because there's certainly very big flaws to it, but it's I think it's even worse to people just spending their... Because, I mean, a lot of people really need that money to just buy food or pay yeah, the yeah. rent. Yeah, yeah, But it's been known there's a lot of people who just bought plasma TVs or drugs, you know, with the fucking money, you know? So yeah. <laughs> I know it because my dealer was very busy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean, for people who don't know, um, your journey... Uh, within all of this is is I think is really fascinating we've talked about this a lot over the years that we've known each other that mm-hmm. your family came from Europe to South America and you grew yeah. up in South America sort of like as the blonde-haired sort of white kid who then started yeah. the metal band under a dictatorship mm-hmm. um, So, so for people who kind of don't know the story I mean maybe we should fill in the blanks, and I, because I, I've, as always, I've got loads of questions about that kind of thing. Okay. But you ended up being there like you, you started Pentagram in let's say what was it, eighty six or something like this? Eighty
1: five. Eighty five. Actually, um, on the
0: twenty eighth of December,
1: it's going to be the thirty fifth anniversary of the first Pentagram show ever.
0: Wow, <laughs> that's um, a lot I, of time. Yeah, but back. That's how old I am that's Sorry. insane no 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 that's insane like because back then obviously so what was it like growing up as like the kind of the blondie european white kid with the sort of the german surname growing up in south america in the, in the 80s like then
1: well i um i went to a german school so a lot of my my uh schoolmates were the same sort of appearance as myself you know so there it wasn't but but out on the streets it was very it was very obvious that you were the strange the strange bird i remember one thing very clearly i was on the bus riding the bus back home from school one day uh and i was sitting at the window minding my own business you know and i see outside on the street i see the small street kid like Barefoot, you know, one of those kids that you see begging on the streets and stuff like that, and he just looked at me and just spat at the window where I was sitting. Yeah, yeah. And that pretty much tells you everything you need to know. All right. You know, because when you are fairly well off, my my parents weren't rich. My 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 dad was very hard worker. You know, my mom went to school, became a psychologist. You know, and they they both worked very hard, and and we had a good a good a good life. You know but we weren't rich by any means, you know, but other people, they, they see you, they say, oh, you're blonde. You have a a European uh, or or German uh, last name that, oh, you must be rich. You must be loaded, you know? Mm. And that is a prejudice that uh, followed me into the metal scene because we, when we started playing and stuff, it was always, oh, these guys, they're they're rich and they're right wing, they're fascists and this and that. And without anyone ever really talking to me and asking me what my life was like, you know?
0: Was that because I mean, were were I mean like all the guys in Pentagram from the same sort of social class then as you, or were they they, were they being Chileans as well, or like is, um, do they, how the, did they perceive the band like that?
1: Um, well, the other guys were were uh, in kind of in kind of the, the socially speaking, they were from the same sort of class, if you if you wish. Yeah. Um, one of them had a Jewish last name. Uh, the drummer and the other guy had a spanish last name but uh, a, a german second last name you know so um yeah the, we were from that sort of crowd you know yeah yeah and um but that's not to say that the other bands you know they they were a lot there were a lot of uh, french or or german last names as well you know so mm. it's it's I don't. I don't know. It's. It's maybe it was uh, just uh, my <laughs> my very blonde, yeah, yeah. very big, very yeah. blonde, very big hair that really caught the attention of people. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, people who are not familiar probably can't imagine. But I had like an yeah, yeah almost like an afro, you know, like very, 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, very, very white, you know. So yeah. uh, it was. It was. It, it was very. Um, uh, striking
0: and, and because um because you were sort of growing up kind of let's say on the outside of i suppose um uh, regular not regular um you were different within chilean culture were people then associating you somehow subconsciously with the regime or something like that like how was it to be a teenager and uh, under basically a dictatorship like what, what what would when you look back now um Yeah, you know, I don't know. It's a complicated question. I'm trying to. I mean, I think there's
1: two. There's two parts to your question. One thing is how people perceived us, and as I said, yeah, some some people just jumped to the conclusion that we were right wing and fascist, and that we supported Pinochet and so on, which couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah, I had it also that uh, uh, there was a uh, review of one of our first uh, tapes in a German fanzine called Battlefield. And the guy wrote, um, oh, these guys live in Chile, but they have German uh, last names and they can afford instruments, so they must support the regime and they must be fascists, you right. know, without yeah. ever taking anything with us or, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, <laughs> I became friends with one of the guys just in the recent years, you know, and he kind of sort of apologized, you know, we, we, are, we were idealists and stuff like that. But it's, just, it's the typical thing where people let their ideals go ahead of their of their thinking you know yeah. the second part of your question i think is what, what it was like to be a teenager and, and under a dictatorship well the thing is um there was a curfew for a long time and people really would respect the curfew because if you went out during the curfew you were risking being shot which yeah. is not the case nowadays maybe in some parts of the city but in a big part of it it's not people just they just still go out you know sure. uh you were you were uh, afraid really afraid of the police you know and of the military and um we i mean we we uh we still did our shows you know we still played our shows we put on shows we just posted flyers on on the on the light posts and, and on the walls and stuff like that and uh and um we we do and, and and they started getting really big by 87 you know there were like 2,000 kids inside like a basketball uh, wow. um, uh, arena and uh but with no security and it, it was very chaotic it was great but it was yeah. chaotic at the same time you know the equipment was very rudimentary you know yeah. and it was like every band i mean we we have a guitar amp but oh we put the drums you know and then we yeah, yeah. You, just, you just put together a back line like that you know and the and the how- uh, the pa people they they wouldn't dare put the uh the soundboard in the crowd so they put it on stage because they they, they thought it was going to get trashed you know yeah. so and they obviously they couldn't hear anything you know and and the sound was awful out front you know but yeah. uh, and uh yeah and no security people diving off the stage you know the broken bones and shit you know no one died i'm surprised you know but yeah. uh um, well someone died at a show in Valparaiso, which is uh, the, the coast uh, the port. Yeah, the on coastal the coast, town. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, someone died there. But uh, altogether I'm quite surprised that is it was uh, it was uh, it, it it went without any major incidents. And was there but a moment there
0: was, was there a moment when the authorities began to notice what you were doing?
1: Well, they just showed up and, and and shut down the shows, you know? And and on the way out, they were just beating kids with the fucking sticks, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that was it, you know? Well, one of the smaller shows we played in 87, they, they, they just drove up with buses and they just loaded the whole audience, the whole crowd into the buses and took him away, you know? It right. was just pretty scary, man. But at the same time, there was tensions within the scene as well, you know? Between bands, there was a lot of jealousy and shit talking and stuff like that. And then you had the other component that there were a lot of people who were really compromised with the scene and the music, but there were other people who just went there to just go crazy, you know, yeah. and and parts of going crazy was spitting at the bands yeah, yeah. and it was not like the odd guy spitting. It was the whole crowd spitting all the time, yeah, yeah. you know? So it was pretty disgusting. And, and, and yeah. I think a lot of bands and, and I include myself, I was I was close to just giving it up, you know, and saying, fuck this, you know, I'm I'm not going to go on stage to be spat
0: on, you know. Yeah. yeah. And were you able to, I mean, were you able to then go across borders and play in other countries back then? Or was that allowed? No, it
1: was allowed. uh, But uh, Pentagram never managed for some reason. I know a couple other bands did. Necrosis did uh, shows in Brazil and they actually, I think they recorded their album no they recorded it in chile but it was released in brazil yeah and uh, massacre another one another yeah, yeah. like yeah, yeah. it's probably the earliest uh, chilean extreme metal band uh, yeah, yeah they went to brazil too yeah uh, so yeah you could do it it was a uh, i went i went but uh, not as a band i went as an individual i went to see the cavalera guys in, yeah, in yeah. Belo horizonte that was february 87 all right, and it, it it was a it was a three day and three night bus ride to fucking Brazil. <laughs> wow! And and not in not not in a bunk, you know, just yeah, yeah. sat on a on a normal yeah, yeah. bus seat, you know. But it was worth it, you know. I I uh, I saw a lot of things over there that opened my eyes, you know. the the um, The scene in Brazil was much much more evolved, you know. They had labels, they had magazines, you know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and uh, they, I mean. Quality? Why? Well, we all, you either love it or hate it. But bands like Sarcophago and Chacal and all those, yeah, you know, yeah, they're, yeah. they're very, very primitive, you know. But they have their 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 charm, you know. And uh, uh, we maybe thought of, of ourselves as a bit more technical and whatever, you know, which we yeah. probably were, yeah, you know. But um, yeah, it was quite impressive. And uh, I spent like two weeks at the Cavalera home. Wow! And they they played a couple shows. You know, we went to rehearse. So, from other bands, you know, and the, it, was, uh, it was interesting. It was a very cool experience.
0: Yeah, that, those those records and cassettes, to find a good tape trader when you were in Europe in the, say, 88, 88, 88 to 91 was like gold dust. Somebody mm-hmm. that would actually trade you the thing and it would arrive in the post because things would always go missing. So actually being able to get a hold of INRI or Chacal or Dorsal Atlantica was really, um, this was kind of mythological. That you can manage to find that and I had one great tape trader and I used to get all you know, MX and you know the mist and all this kind of stuff as well yeah, 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 um, yeah. Uh, as well as all the usual stuff but yeah that moment when you picked up the shark records version of schizophrenia in the shop like oh fuck, they have this because you've been hearing about it for a year but you couldn't couldn't get a single copy of it you know
1: yeah, yeah, so the yeah.
0: South American scene had this kind of mythology around it that sort of fascinated everyone
1: I sort of I always thought I mean I I can't really imagine it from that side of the of the fence you know because uh, for us you know the U.S. and Europe were always ah oh, it's great they make records you know they tour yeah. they have festivals and stuff like that you know even back then and uh, for us it was ah oh, this is all shit you know and it's crap and and then I get to. I don't know. Later, I, I, I spoke to Tompa, for example, with Matt Gates, you know, and it was, oh, I was so into chacal and fucking yeah, yeah. Sarcophago and stuff like that. Like, yeah.
0: Really? I yeah. couldn't believe it, you know. Yeah, like, oh. Well, the tapes, the tapes were like gold dust. And I mean, what was happening in South America in terms of those bands was, so, was far, far ahead of what was happening in Ireland. Like People often ask me, hey, does Ireland have some cool 80s cult with a K demo that I've never heard? And I go, no, it doesn't. <laughs>
1: There was, a couple, there was a couple
0: no. of really bad thrash, a couple of thrash bands and some awful heavy metal bands, but there wasn't anything happening here. And I remember seeing Sepultura in 90 for Beneath Their Mains and it would have been over a thousand people there, um, which was a lot back then, maybe 1,100, yeah. 1200000 And people went absolutely uh, ballistic. But in a way, people were so people loved Sepultura so much because Irish people had sort of taken them in as their own they kind of gone, mm-hmm. these guys are on the outside. They're from a poor country, like we felt. So people sort of kind of mm-hmm. rooted for them. It was weird. Yeah,
1: they were the underdogs, you know. Yeah. They were the, yeah I does, know. That
0: make, does that make sense that a miserable kind of gray, rainy, dull country, you know, kind of weather-wise like Ireland would somehow ex- adopt these exotic bands and decide, yeah, these are the ones we're rooting for? Um, I, I,
1: guess it, I guess it does. I mean, it still happens nowadays. It surprised me. You, you know, I play in brujería as well, you yeah. know. Which is like a cult band, you know, but it's all the 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 the, the lyrics are all in Spanish, you know, and the uh, and, um, and the and the 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 subjects we talk about they're all you know the 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 immigration and the drugs and stuff like that, you know, very very you know uh, Latin problems. You yeah. Know? yeah. Um, and then you go to a place like Czech Republic, and people yeah. go absolutely insane, and I. Th- yeah. I, I kind of it, it, it's it's complicated for me to find the connection there, but I guess it's because because of something like what you're saying. You know, yeah. they feel like the underdogs. They feel like the the, the left out. You know, they they yeah, yeah. Uh, those those uh, posh Europeans, the you know Germans and yeah, sweet, yeah. whatever. You know, I and mean, we are, we are the underdogs. You know, of Europe and then yeah, it it, it kind of makes sense, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I think somehow it does, and it, and it, I think what it shows is that the sort of interesting transcendence um, culturally of these things to cross borders within the heavy metal scene that people outside the heavy metal scene don't understand. I people who don't understand heavy metal would often, uh, you know, sort of peripherally or, you know, well, out of ignorance portray elements of it as being racist or this or that or the other. But actuality is that the underground throughout all of those decades sustained itself on this kind of um, you know, sort of ecosystem that crossed cultural boundaries that anybody who came from that era uh, never saw any of any of those things on those terms, and Not therefore, and therefore, like it—it it, it always fascinated me, exactly as you say, that how a poor Eastern European country would find kinship with, like, oh, we got to go and see this band there from Peru, Mexico, or Bolivia, or Mexico, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. which it which. It's a kind of very beautiful thing, and it makes a kind of mockery of some of the, um, I suppose, ignorant, I think, uh, views of what heavy metal represents as being just kind of like a middle class white man's game, because it certainly isn't, you know?
1: Well, it is and it isn't. I, I think uh, if...
0: Well, maybe I didn't frame You've that correctly. You've probably seen heavy maybe. metal parking lot. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe I didn't frame that correctly. <laughs> I, I suppose I was thinking more about the underground and where we came from. Okay. Okay. Because I, yeah, but but just just to, to to make my
1: point, you know. Sure. Sure. Heavy metal parking lot. If people haven't seen it, it's a short documentary which was shot in the parking lot of a arena that was hosting a Judas Priest concert. Oh, and yeah, you can yeah. see the, the kind of. But it's it's white people, but it's not upper no, no. totally class white people. It's white trash. Working class. Totally white trash. You know, and that's where it all came from. I mean. You can probably, in their beginnings, all the bands, fucking Exodus and Metallica, and they, they were all white trash, probably, yeah, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's yeah. where it came from. And that's why it probably appealed so much to South Americans as well, you know? Yeah. So, oh, these guys, they're gringos, but they're, they're not like the, 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 the polished, you know, big sounding gringos. They're, they're, they, 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 are, they made it, you know? They, they, yeah. they're, they're, they're brutal, you know? They're evil. And um, that's that's how it got there, and they, it became more extreme even in South America, you know. And
0: yeah. it was it spit back to vomited back to
1: to the first world, you know.
0: Yeah, well, I'm fascinated though by to just go back to the politics a bit, like the sort of political soul or upheaval that South America represents, um, also kind of fascinates me. And I I would think I think about all right. Well, I did a paper on this about how. Um, in The North Americas, if you, if you were, well, I read a book and wrote a paper on it, but the North Americas, if you think about it, were had far less natural resources than the South Americas, right? Mm. But the North Americas, through, I suppose, Protestantism and the ability to own land um, and be elected to governance, sort of separated their, 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 their path from the South Americas, which had Catholicism. Mm. And um, I suppose kept its sort of feudal system, which kept the people uh, sort of in their place as their Spanish or Portuguese overlords, uh, colonial overlords, sort of still owned the same valley or area for hundreds and hundreds of years. And somehow mm. it seems to be a maybe I'm simplifying it, but a sort of Protestant North, Catholic South, Latin Northern divide, and the sort of the South Americas on those terms. Was always kind of damned to, to to political chaos, or am I, or is that too far wide of the mark?
1: Um, I mean, I think you can probably establish a parallel with Europe itself, you know, because the North is Protestant, you know, and yeah, yeah. and more austere, you know, yeah. historically at least. Times yeah. are changing, but. Uh, but it's like that in the southern countries: Spain, Italy, Portugal. You yeah. know, and Greece. They're all more Catholic, and and it's it's a different ethic. You know, it's different mm-hmm. ethics. You know.
0: Yeah, obedience, um, obedience it, through poverty.
1: <laughs> yeah, something like that. And uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's like uh, in Catholicism. It seems to me like oh, you you uh, you 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 sinned, uh, You committed a sin. Then you apologize and you and you pray a little bit, and then it's it's all good, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas the Protestants, they 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 uh, they carry the burden of their guilt forever, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of a little bit like that, you know. It, yeah, it, yeah. It's we're probably oversimplifying. It's it's probably a very complex topic to tackle it within a few minutes, you know. Well, but I think yeah. there's the, the, there's uh, there's uh, there's a lot of uh, of truth in what you're saying, you know. Um, and uh, that's probably why also in South America, South America was a, a, a breeding ground for the more radical ideas, you know, for the more revolutionary left-wing ideas, you yeah. know, because I mean, it's just a matter of looking around, going to the, 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 the shanty towns of the, the favelas and so on. People have rights to be pissed off, you know, and, yeah, yeah. and if someone, and if someone says to them, oh, we take the the, the, the weapons and we'll, get in charge of this. Well, yeah, I, I understand that people want to follow that path sometimes, you know. Problem is, when there's another elite in power, it's still an elite, you know. And, yeah. uh, and, and uh, also, I mean, there's, yeah, I'm, I'm going a little deep now maybe, but um, no, I, don't think, I, I don't think the work ethic in South America allows for a socialist um, system where everything is owned by everyone and we all work towards the same goal because some okay. of them will work and some others won't, you know? Yeah. And and I always say, I mean, I'm not a big fan of communism, I have to be honest, you know? And yeah. if it didn't work in Germany, is it really going to work in Chile? Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah,
0: yeah. no, I guess not. <laughs> Sorry. That. No, 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 it's a... Uh, no, It's it just it fascinates me because um, I, I've always been kind of fascinated by south american political culture and like i sort of studied a bit of pinochet and you know all the sort of i suppose the other crypto fascist dictators who were sort of um well in that period i suppose were sort of propped up by the cia or that kind of thing you know
1: absolutely and they took they always took advantage of this uh of the divide i mean uh, South America, it could have been the United States of South America if Bolívar, yeah. one of the big liberators, had had their, his, his, his say, you know. But it didn't, you know, and the, all the, the um, Viceroy's, you know, they, they all wanted their own little parcel, you know, and that's how South American nationalism was born. And the, in a weird way, it connects with football mentality. You okay. know, and that we are great, and and we are the best, and the other guys are, cunts basically, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and and they deserve to be beaten, you know, and it it goes as far as you know the the. Um, I, I know I'm making very big jumps here sometimes, but no, it, no, it's, no. it's it's just what, just what comes to my mind, you know. But but uh, sometimes from the from the um, from the, uh, the 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 hooligans, you know, the the football crowds you get like really really insulting offensive chants you know towards for example towards argentina you, yeah, yeah. you Oh, you, you you lost the falklands because you can't you know and yeah, whatever that, <laughs> that kind of thing you know yeah, it's yeah. like really i mean we we should be you know i i don't have that kind of mentality i have friends in peru and argentina and everywhere i've, been, yeah, yeah. I've managed to travel and i've seen that people basically are the same everywhere yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. and 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 especially within south america so i think we should like unite and not and not have this this uh, artificial division but the, that's one thing. things that, the 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 proto-dictators how you say uh they exploited that they exploited that feeling of of uh, of nationalism and it's all like shitty little countries that can barely fucking scratch their own backs you know yeah, yeah. but they still think they're the best in the world you know it's yeah. uh
0: it's it's weird man so how did that manifest itself like under pinochet then in the 80s when you were
1: going well, we were very close to going to war with Argentina over some little islands very down south um, and all of a sudden you had the in the schools you were all of a sudden you were taught about these islands that no one really knew existed you know mm. and, uh, and 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 uh, there was a whole um, rhetoric that was fed to the public you have to remember back then uh, there was really no free press or anything you know so yeah. so the the news they had to broadcast what the regime wanted you know and it was all like yeah Chile is great and and flags and beautiful valleys you know and and uh, and I remember one day um I took my bike to the petrol station you know to to um blow up the uh, the tires yeah and I didn't really know how to do it you know so I asked the guy uh, at the petrol station, how to do it. And he said, how are we going to fight the Argentinians if you even don't, know, don't even know how to do that? You know, yeah. <laughs> like, whoa. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Jesus, man. <laughs> it's, filtered, <laughs> so filtered. it's filtered down into every part of the country. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And people thought Argentinians were cunts and we have to kill them, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that's what they do, you know? And, and, and it, I bet it was the same on the other side. I mean, I think the Falklands War... Was mainly started to divert attention from the big economic crisis and yeah, yeah. from the human rights problems that were that were actually much bigger in Argentina than here. Human rights violations in Argentina were massive and brutal, man. I yeah. don't, I'm not saying they weren't in Chile; they were too. Yeah, yeah. But just numbers wise, it was like tenfold in Argentina. Yeah, yeah. You
0: know. Yeah. What do they call them? The disappeared or whatever. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I exactly. mean, I mean, I mean, Thatcher started, I suppose, the Falklands War as well to kind of. The idea that war is always good for the economy and it would distract from, I suppose, um, the economic troubles that were happening in the UK at the time. Because most people don't realize that the 1970s in the UK was a time of, um, uh, you know, riots and strikes all the time. And the IMF were there in the 70s. and The coal miners and all that. Yeah, yeah. That was just Mm -hmm. around the corner. Yeah, 82, 83. So it was almost like a sort of smoke and mirrors thing politically.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah well we know that i mean people yeah. like people in power they use war to 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 benefit their own agenda isn't it you know they never go to war themselves they're yeah. not gonna send their kids to war. Yeah.
0: But so when so when so then you left oh so then you left chile sometime in the 90s to come to europe right
1: no i actually left in 2001
0: really okay yeah so you so you were in chile when pinochet was deposed yeah and what was that like that that, that was the first time i went to
1: vote i voted no to pinochet really because there was a referendum um there was a referendum first there was a referendum in 1980 i was too young to vote and that referendum was totally rigged and that was the referendum where the current constitution was approved you know and okay. that referendum had a um, provisional uh thing that in 1988 there would be another referendum to vote whether pinochet would remain in power or would be ousted you know and that okay. was the first that was the first uh, kind of free election there was you know and there was actually um tv ads were allowed for both sides you know and okay. and that's and actually, I think the TV ads were what won over the people because all, all of a sudden you were seeing people you knew from the television, like actors and presenters and news readers and stuff like that, coming out and saying, we have to vote this guy out, you know? Yeah. And people are dying and so on. And, and, uh, and yeah, and the no option won.
0: That was the first time I voted. <laughs> and and now, is that actually what moved him out of power, a, a democratic vote in the end? It just took... Almost two decades to, to kind of roll around to becoming um, on the statute books or how did it Well,
1: work? It, there's a lot of rumors about that, about that election night. It is said that uh, they were because they started delaying the results. You know, there was should there have been results at like eight or 10, 10 p.m. or something like that. You know, and there was nothing. There was just giving partial results, all, all, always in favor of Pinochet, and and you could kind of sense that something was brewing, and uh, they say that uh, the military went to the presidential palace and told Pinochet. We're here and we're ready to take over the country and fuck this fucking referendum, you know. Yeah. And it it, legend has it that one of the generals, because it was a junta, right? Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. And one of the generals, the the air force general, said, "I'm not participating in this, you know. So this is not going to happen." And that's what actually stopped, you know, them for doing a how do you say it? A A coup. a, yeah, but a, a self-coup, an auto-coup, or oh, something right. like that. right, okay. yeah, yeah. I I don't, there, There's, a, uh, there's, this, there's a word for it in Spanish. It's auto golpe. Okay. It's like when you when, when you, when, you do, you are in government, but you do a coup to remain in government.
0: You know. All oh, right, like a sort of an a purge, an internal purge or something. I don't. Something
1: know. like that. Something a, like a that.
0: And, and and legend has it
1: that, is that that is what stopped it. You know, but then um, the constitution that was uh, in place. Had a lot of restrictions, you know. There were there were a number of senators that were designated by the military and stuff like that, you know. Even Pinochet was allowed to be a senator just because he had been the dictator, you know, and uh, stuff like that. Which, yeah, which little little by little, through successive referendums and stuff, was was kind of so uh, yeah. made. Yeah, it was it was kind of cleaned then it was made into a more normal constitution you know um yeah. it, it probably bears little resemblance to what it was at the beginning even though the the, the basic uh, principles are still the same mm. and that's what people don't want you know they they, they want to uh, we, we jump into the to the present now yeah. um people what they want is they want a, a clean slate they want to start from scratch they want to have uh, they uh, there's actually going to be um in the In the constitutional convention there's going to be half women and half men for the first okay. time yeah, yeah. there's going to be a um, part uh, for indigenous people indigenous peoples yeah because yeah. there's like several different uh, different uh, indigenous peoples in the mapuche and the rapanui and the Aymara and so on yeah, yeah. and uh, they're going to have a, uh, a a quota to to bring forth their ideas you know so at the moment, it looks like it's uh, it's uh, working. You know that we're gonna have a, a a serious discussion, but I'm missing the serious discussion. Actually, I've, I've, when you when you uh, when you speak to people, a lot of them it's just against or in in favor. You know, yeah. but um, when you ask people, what well, have you thought? If you want a federal government or or a central government, or do you want to? Uh, um, a presidential system, you know, or a parliamentary system like most European countries have and how do you want to structure the, 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 the territory and all that? in the old, like, go like, oh, No, nah, I haven't really thought about that one. You know, it's like, it's... well, <laughs> that's pretty important if you're going to
0: write a new constitution, you know? Yeah, it's very complicated because obviously, to, you know, political structures have their history I, I, um it sounds very plain to say, but if you if you've never been involved in politics or the the kind of level of I suppose compromise that should exist in politics to, between people of either side, um, to involve all of a sudden all of these people based on a sort of non- meritocracy, i e we have we're going to fill this because based on all these percentages and with people who don't really un- maybe understand how politics works. and I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing because maybe there's another system that can come out of it. To replace a corrupt system, but also there's check again there's checks and balances that exist, because uh, nobody really wants either f- either further side of the argument to be in power. You know, you reach compromise in the middle, but in a really weird way, in this sort of weird polarized world that we're in, um, chasing equity all the time sometimes leads to chaos. Does that make any sense? Maybe, maybe I don't know. I. Um well there's
1: there's still going to be a uh, a vote you know there's going to be elections and yeah, yeah. and uh, recent polls have showed that most people actually do want uh representatives with knowledge of constitutional law yeah. they just don't want the their whatever the neighborhood leader or whatever you know yeah. i mean some people do some people don't there's going to be it's going to yeah. be a very motley mix of of uh, of people in there you know yeah, yeah. maybe it's good or not but the one thing that i i um, i still think and it's probably not very popular that i say it but uh, one of the things that led to the crisis that we had last year in this country was probably the um that people didn't go to vote you know yeah. the last president was elected with uh Fifty percent of less than fifty percent of the whole yeah, yeah. population entitled to vote. You know, sure, yeah, yeah. And and I think that is something that is is uh, very by now in this new, younger generation is deeply rooted. That a it doesn't matter if I vote or not. You know. Uh, because they're still going to be in power anyway, and they're going to do the same thing always. Yeah. And B, I have the now that we have the chance. I I sort of have the the impression that a lot of people are like, oh, someone will fix it, you know. Someone will magically fix it, you know. It's 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 going to be all right, you know. We we won the referendum, so everything else is going to be easy, you know. Yeah, and it's not. It's not. It's going to be very complicated, you know. But yeah, as you say. Do you leave the complicated to people who understand the complicated or do you leave the complicated to everyone, you know?
0: Yeah, it's like in Irish politics, they move um, different representatives to different sort of sections of the government. And so you might get an entire backbench with not a single economist on it or somebody who's in charge of arts and tourism who has no concept of the arts. Or, Mm. you know, like the same thing happens
1: here. Yeah, Same yeah. thing happens here, absolutely, man. It's just, just, it's just cronies, you know. It's just the 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 president's friends and whoever, you know, uh, uh, cousins and whatever. They they're all in the government, you know, and they they don't really know what to do. And you know, it's just
0: hmm. it's so ridiculous. what. So what? Did you so did you visit Europe in the nineties, or did I get that wrong? Um, I did you visit visited, before you emigrated. Like
1: yes, yes, yes. I I visited uh, Europe. For the first time in the 80s, in 83, actually.
0: Wow, really? Okay.
1: I, I, went, I went with my parents and I came back with a bag full of vinyls, including Black Metal and Kill Em All and okay. Melissa and so on and so on. You know, okay. So that was, wow. Okay, right. <laughs> it was great. I was, too, I was too young to go to shows. I remember seeing posters for the Iron Maiden World Peace Tour <sighs>
0: yeah.
1: and uh, Motorhead, Another Perfect Day. Ooh, yeah, right. But I couldn't go to either of them because I was too kid. I was too small still. Yeah, know. yeah. Um, yeah, but that was the first time. Very lucky. Then I went again in. Hang on, ninety one. Okay. Um, just after the fall of the Berlin Wall, actually, okay. and I um, I went to visit. I went to visit Eastern Germany shortly after the wall fell. It was okay. very interesting to see the contrast, you know. Yeah. So um, I actually went because we thought that my grandfather could have a um, a bank account there with some money in it. Yeah, you know? yeah. So we went there, but the 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 fees and everything had eaten whatever ever was on that bank account, so sure. nothing came out of it, you know. Yeah. But, but it was a very interesting experience, and you could see the 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 difference, you know, and the the. The, how modern the infrastructure was in the West and how run down and shitty it was in the East, the pollution in the East, you know, and everything. The people, people, for some reason, equate uh, capitalism with pollution, but socialism is not much better. It's yeah. not worse, you know? So uh, I'm not, not a fan of either. I don't want people to get the idea with, that I'm some raging right-wing Trump. No, or something like that yeah you know, I, I don't think I, I
0: don't I don't think anybody's gonna <laughs> gonna think that <laughs> I mean in industry back then and you know it was based on uh, i mean i I'm pretty sure as you say the checks on balances on whether things pollute or not, were not really part of the equation. But that must have been a really fascinating trip then. As i say well, in 91, when you were old enough to really observe the difference, what what were the fundamental differences then between South American society and what you came to and saw? Like, was there anything that really struck you as being very different, even in the people or something? You know, I'm always fascinated well,
1: by that. Uh, uh, well, the first thing that strike you is, is, strikes you is, is just... a. Uh, the the standard of living, you know, the the yeah. you know how the cities look, how the houses look, how the trains look, how the public transport in general looks, you know, all yeah. that is, is is was very uh, um, very um, it was a very stark contrast to what you saw in South America, definitely, you know, whereas the I've always had a problem because I lived in Germany for a few years, you know, and i I definitely have a problem with the German mentality. and I know I'm from a from a strangely strictly genetic point of view, I'm probably a hundred percent German, yeah, yeah. but I grew up as a South American, so I have a problem with that. That rigidness, you know, that 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 sort of everything is constricted, and there's got to be rules and regulations for everything, from sweeping your fucking stairs to whatever, you know, where you put your trash and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And that was very overwhelming for me when I when I went to uh, when I went to Germany. And I like the the looseness, you know, of the Latino life, maybe not too much, yeah. you know, but that's perhaps that's why I'm living in Spain or or Basque country rather now because that's for me is a nice compromise of people who who get the job done but at the same time they don't work to live but rather no other, other way around they don't live to work but they rather work to live you know which yep. is which is very important to me yeah, well quite- and the, to finish the finish answering your question i yeah. went for the last time uh, to europe in 99 which was already sort of an exploration to see if 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 uh, we could actually do that. I was I was married back then, you know, yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I went with my wife, you know, and uh, we went to a few festivals. We went to I think it was the last Dynamo Festival in '99. So oh, okay. I was there. Yeah, yeah. Me- Metallica yeah. were headlining, I think, yeah, and Merciful yeah. Fate played, you know, and
0: Anwar, uh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and. Um, and we visited a few cities you know and um and yeah we liked it and said well why not you know i i at that time i felt pretty stuck in in chile um i thought that uh, we throughout the 90s criminal did really well down here you know we did very big shows we've sold a lot of records but I, at some point it just started to to stall you know and uh, and that that's when also the the whole Record industry crisis started happening, you know, Napster and all that. And people were just downloading shit for free, you know, and yeah. no one bought CDs anymore, especially in South America, I guess, even more than yeah, yeah. than uh, the first world, you know. So uh, uh, I kind of thought, well, there's not much more to do here, so I'd rather just go and start anew. And I didn't really have a plan, you know, I started uh, playing with some people when I got to the UK. I actually played a tour as a member of Extreme Noise Terror. I don't know if you know <laughs> that.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: There you go. Wow. <laughs> that, was, that, was, uh, that was my baptism of fire in fucking right. Europe. <laughs> Playing with Dean Jones. Yeah, that, that was yeah. a good one. <laughs> but then, yeah, then I started Criminal again. But it was sort of a different thing, you know, and it, it never kind of took off, really. And um, we started, but we, we still kept making albums and stuff. And then uh, towards the end of the first decade of the 2000s, I decided to reform Pentagram.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And uh, shortly after, I got the call from Shane to be in lockup, you know. And then um, a few years later, uh, they asked me to join Brujeria, So, yeah, yeah. And I'm doing. I was doing pretty well before the whole fucking pandemic started. You
0: know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, tell tell me about it. It's the idea that now we're corralled into being content creators. I mean, um, you know, it's a week or two after it started in March. I went, right, I need to do a podcast too, otherwise I'll go insane. I need to have some creative outlet. And thankfully it grows and grows. But at the, at the end of the day, here we are sitting talking on Zoom when we used to, you know, we, we did a tour together uh, playing One yeah, exactly. of the Gods. And you're removed to, um, it's, I don't know, it's very hard to not dwell on, I suppose, to come round to where we were at the beginning, to not kind of think, I don't know if things will be the same as they were again. Are we going to be allowed? Is it going to be allowed to be um, as it was? I mean, that's a very, you know, who knows? But what I've been trying to tell myself is that I've been trying to hold the line between either side of the debate and try and rationally observe things. But I, I totally understand that, and I think we all do, we're all kind of played by our algorithm to stand in a certain, just even an inch to the left can view what's happening in a different way. Mm-hmm. And, and my own sort of pessimism, because I was a bit of a pessimist anyway, is amplified by my situation and also within that algorithm. So I have friends who just say, like, you know, Kieran and Pramodil just go, ah, look, it'll be grand. There'll be shows. Stop stressing. That's just, and he, he can just go, Oof. it's a brilliant skill to be able to just Hmm. concentrate on the matters in hand, whereas I have no off switch to not think about, well, what about this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this, you yeah, know? Yeah,
1: I understand. I mean, I'm optimistic. As a matter of fact, Criminal just got uh, confirmed for Wacken well, okay. <laughs> yeah, on Sunday, you know, okay. which is something to look forward to, you know, and yeah, I hope yeah. it happens. And I think, well, maybe it won't happen. Maybe it will happen the, the year after. But I think this is not a situation that can go on indefinitely yeah because people won't take it in the end i mean yeah. if 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 and even if the vaccines don't work the way they're supposed to in the end people are saying are going to say well we're not going to live our lives like this you know yeah. we're just going to go out again we're just going to start living and dude it's fucking darwin yeah. <laughs> sorry yeah yeah
0: yeah i i i i i just kind of feel the same thing i mean personally again i think that you know power begets more power and people say to me yeah but why would you know when we're say we're arguing hypothetical somebody would say to me but why would they need or what's in it for them you know the you know mm-hmm. for somebody listening on the podcast i'm doing parenthesis little rabbit ears but the <laughs> idea that the idea that enough power is enough for anyone who has power is a is a naive a, a, a estimation of power you know oh yeah
1: oh yeah absolutely absolutely there's never enough
0: no so it's <laughs>
1: never enough because power i think uh people who crave power it's not only for the power itself or the money that comes with it but it's also a very personal experience you know mm-hmm. to to that lifts them up you know to be above other people you know and that must yeah. be a very addictive feeling yeah, with yeah everybody i mean i mean we we see it uh, with a few state, yeah. a, a few of our peers, you know, that think that being a musician in a metal band is somehow some kind of status that puts them above other people. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so uh, there 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 is that personality trait in some people. And 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 if if the power is real power, mm. like real real power, you have the power to kill people or to evict them from the homes or
0: stuff oh, like yeah. that. Then um, yeah, it must be quite addictive, I guess. You know of sociopathic narcissism or something. yeah absolutely so what's the plans now are you going to be able to get back to europe or what's going on
1: i guess i will i've, I've already been traveling back and forth but only because i hold two passports i have a chilean passport and a oh, german right. passport so uh, i need the german passport to enter into europe and i need the chilean to enter chile mm-hmm. Which uh, I've managed to do. Uh, so yeah, I don't see a problem there. Uh, but um, yeah, more, more importantly, what's gonna happen now? Well, I've been very busy creating, writing music. Um, I'm finishing the vocals and uh, we're finishing the lead guitars also on a new Criminal album. Uh, the new Brujeria album is pretty much recorded. Also, vocals are being recorded, which is the last thing that we still need to do. Um, we recorded a whole, uh, I, I wrote most of it, and we recorded a whole new lock-up album in lockdown. <laughs> Pun intended. Lock-up lock up and lockdown. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, which is turning out great. There's still a few things that's based still to be recorded. So, and uh, started uh, work on a new Pentagram album, oh, but that's okay. only in the writing stage right now. So we're okay. working on that now. Um, so, a lot of music coming next year, you know, and, and just uh, waiting to hopefully get the chance to go out and promote it with live shows before we're all too old. That's the thing. Yeah. I, feel, I feel like I've, I've, been, I've been robbed of a year of my life, you know? Because yeah, yeah. if this had happened when I was 23 or 24, I would ah, okay, whatever, you know, yeah, yeah. I've got plenty of time, you know, but now I don't have plenty of time. The clock is ticking, motherfucker.
0: Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. no, you're, t- you're totally right. I feel the same thing. I feel totally like it's some, it's almost like somebody has a, like an enforced pause on my life and whether it comes back to the same degree as it did remains to be seen but at the same time i'm like you i'm like hey come on you know that we're moving through middle age pretty bloody quickly. As you yeah. say, this had happened when I was 24 and I was just sharing a house with other idiots and somebody said, you can't do a thing for you. your other, going, eh, whatever, you know.
1: And you just but, go drunk and, and do drugs for a whole yeah, year. Yeah. And then yeah. uh, <laughs> and then when you wake up, all of a sudden, it's all back to normal.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I have, I have one last question for you. Uh, I, I often hear this phrase and I, I want to know, what's, what, what is the South American saudade?
1: So um, dodgy. That's uh, it's a Portuguese word. So I don't know exactly what it means. I, I think it literally means health, but uh, it, uh, in in colloquial language, it means more than that. I think it it means like the to know how to live your life, to mm-hmm. enjoy your life. You know, I think it's something like that.
0: I was hoping for a better answer.
1: <laughs> well. I thought it was like a, I thought
0: it was, yeah, yeah, I told about it there because I, I was thinking about it because we have the you know this word on en it's like a sort of existential sadness,
1: all right. And okay. um, I see a lot of that in Chile, you know, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of doom bands coming out of Chile. and I think, and, and you know, there's big poets like Pablo Neruda, mm. uh, uh, Pablo de Roca came out of uh, of Chile, and they all have like this inherent sadness to them, you know,
0: because I was there um, last uh, I was there last April, and it, I mm-hmm. certainly felt Chile was different from the other South American countries that I was in. it is,
1: probably part of it is just because the climate is a bit colder. You know, it's more gray and it's not so tropical and whatever, you know. Yeah. So uh, Chile, Argentina, or Uruguay are probably more, like a bit different, a bit more European perhaps, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's all I can say about it really. I mean, people people still know how to party in this part of the world and you probably know that too.
0: Yes, I do know that. I feel, <laughs> it, feels, it feels like Irish people have forgotten, to be honest with you, you know. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, that's, that's there's okay. a... Well, not forgotten. There's a very strange feeling here. It's like a sort of, um, uh, there's a sort of kind of resigned Mm. sort of um, sadness to proceedings in life here at the moment. As if people are just like, and also very kind of local parochialism where, again, you try and say to somebody something about uh, liberty, freedom. You know, Irish people like to lean into liberty and freedom, as you know, after a few Mm. drinks or something like this. And then now when you say yeah but you know what about what about all the things you that are in all the songs you sing when you've had a few beers now uh well yeah uh," you know it's as if we can't quite grasp both points of view at the Uh, same time i don't uh, know uh, uh.
1: idealism is one thing but then the reality is very different
0: i don't know well my friend it's been a pleasure it's been anton from criminal pentagram and all the things that you've heard And this is Agitators Anonymous.